Welcome to another episode of The Canceled Preacher. Thanks for joining in. Today, um, we are going to be talking about, uh, well, the old-time religion. And, well, this podcast is about the old-time religion. We believe in the old-time religion. We want to defend the old faith. And uh, so many churches going woke these days. And, uh, well, we just hope to, by God's grace, not change with the changing times. But, um... Let's talk about, well, just that, the old-time religion. Me and my dad were just talking a few minutes ago about, well, an article that we came across. And I wish I wish we'd have been recording when we first began discussing this because it is so funny. I brought this article up that I found online, um, kind of satirical, I guess you might say, but it's talking about the old-time religion and kind of really mocking the idea of wanting to have the old-time religion. And I brought it up to you and said, you know, what do you think of this? And you immediately said, well, that's stupid. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think it was a straw man argument, to, to put it lightly. Well, and I came back with just the opposite, so to speak. I said, you know what? A lot of my friends that I went to college with and graduated with, they buy into this stuff. And they're reading and following along and thinking, oh, man, that's so good, so true. I can just hear it. And, in fact, I said, look at the comments. It's all guys I went to school with or, uh, you know, from that, from that generation. And, and I should say that he was a teacher at the college, Hiles Anderson College, the when guy, I was in school the there. The guy who wrote this article. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, and that's, that's, it's true, though. A lot of folks that uh, I'm seeing, a lot of people buy into this. Um, and you're thinking, you're coming at it with like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? People are buying into this? I feel like they always were that way. And now the issues and the trials and the situation, the circumstances of today have just revealed their true colors. You're talking about the people who are jumping on the bandwagon? Absolutely, so yeah. Who said they were, they were uh, you know, fundamentalists, the old-time religion, going for the old paths, and in fact made a mockery. This one article makes a mockery. Of the old paths, the old time religion, as if it wasn't good enough for two thousand years until just recently, with you know the influx of modern. I see a connection between getting away from the Word of God and this lukewarm Christianity. Now we may call it wokeism, we may call it you know recovering fundamentalist or whatever, but as far as I'm concerned, it's just wokeism. It's tearing down. So what they're doing really is tearing down the religion, the beliefs of, and the church of their great-grandfathers and grandmothers. Well, and I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the, one of the motivations for starting this whole podcast uh, adventure was just the, there's a lot of these people, just they, they used to be, uh, you know, down-the-line fundamental preachers, and now they are buying into this um, new age, I guess you'd say, modern, you know, Christianity. And I'm thinking, you know, where's the other side of that? I'm seeing all these new podcasts of these guys that want to get on there and bash the, you know, the King James believers and, uh, you know, uh, uh, independent fundamental preachers. Now, that's where it really starts right there. If you do not have a final authority, then you yourself become the final authority. And the Bible says there, there's a way which seemeth right in your own eyes, but in the end thereof are the ways of death. So a wise man is a prudent man. And the Bible says a prudent man or a wise man is able to foresee the evil. In fact, let me go ahead and read that verse to you. It's in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 3. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, 
But the simple, and I believe that's what, in the context of what we're talking about, I believe many of these pastors are just simple, and many of them are beyond that, and just foolish, because they're not realizing the direction that they're leading their churches when they're undermining the Bible. <clears throat> and and folks will say, well, there's no real doctrine that's affected by the fact that you change the Bible or whatever, but once you change it, you are changing the crucial, most important part of the Bible, and that it's authority. And then when you say, okay, well, the Bible is not reliable, then now you become the person to decide what's the best way to grow the church. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that in and of itself is evil. You know, what do you mean? how can a person say it's God that grows the church? One plants, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase, you know, and then turn around and use all these gimmicks and all these worldly activities to grow the church. I would rather close. I'd rather quit than compromise. Amen. Well, yeah, and uh, sadly, churches today, it's nothing more than just a marketing competition, you know, um, and just trying to, who, who's the better marketer, you know, and who's got the, 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 the better experience. And uh, Because with 15 churches in a 10-square, you know, in a 10-mile radius, it's probably way more than that in a 10-mile radius, but... Um, you know, that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. But there needs to be, like you've said before, there needs to be one church in the bunch that's just not concerned with um, pleasing people, but rather As far as I'm concerned, and, and this is not bragging at all, but I feel like we're the only church in driving distance that really believes the old-time religion. Now, there's others that consider, they will say that they're the old-time religion, but that's such a relative term nowadays. You know what I mean? I mean, we stand on the absolute authority of the Word of God. If God said it, that settles it. There, there's no question about it. I just believe that, like you said, in every, every hamlet, um, in every town, in every city, in every borough and village, there ought to be one place where people can go where they can hear the old-time religion. Well, let's talk about the old-time religion because that's what we were going to. And I started reading this yesterday, and, um, well, me and you kind of, I don't know, we kind of, it seemed like we butted heads a little bit talking about this, but uh, you immediately dismissed it as stupid, and I said, now, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, let's, let's see where he's coming from. <laughs> well, I think we ought to at least do that, but already, my, my back is up because <laughs> here's a guy that was preaching in youth conference and, and all this stuff, and then the next thing you know, 10 to 15 years later, in fact, this is quite some time, he left the old-time religion, and he's woke, you know. And he's recovering fundamentals as if he's been wounded unto death, you know. And then, and then the woke crowd, the Andy Stanleys of the world, have, have got to nurse him back to hell. <laughs> I'm so sick of well, that kind of religion. Let me say this, too. Um, I don't think me or you are very interested in defending uh, independent fundamentalism. Um, I've often said I wouldn't be a fundamentalist, but I am one. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know I, I just don't want to associate with the crowd that is now calling themselves Fundamental Baptist, independent fundamental Baptist. But I do think that we ought to clarify what we're talking about here because not all of our listeners know what we mean. Now, when we say fundamental Baptist, what we're talking about is a movement that really began with J. Frank Norris back in the 1920s, somewhere around there. He found out that um, uh, the, the Baptist College in Waco, Texas, um, funded by the Southern Baptist, there was in the sociology department, uh, somebody teaching theistic evolution. 
And he exposed that. And of course, the the the, the brethren attacked J. Frank Norris and said, well, you're just a divider of the brethren. He said, well, I don't want my money to go to support the undermining of the word of God. And then it, it, it started to catch on from there. It's a debatable whether or not he, he actually pulled his church out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, he would probably say, well, <laughs> I didn't leave them. They left me, you know. But um, and then out of that really became the Baptist Bible Fellowship with G.B. Vick and um, Noel Smith and some of those old time stalwarts of the fundamentals of the faith. And then from there, it just began to, to grow. People began to separate from liberal denominations. They still had the basic Baptist doctrines, but they just weren't going to participate in, uh, in all of this uh, liberalism and blatant uh, heresy that was being taught in the cooperative program. So we're not going to cooperate for that with that. We're not going to be part and partial to a teacher and pay a salary that's going to teach evolution or evolutionary principles. And so the fundamental Baptist movement began to grow and pick up speed with people like John R. Rice and Jack Hiles and many, many others. Um, um, Lee Robertson, for example. And they led the way through the 50s and the 60s. And then it really took a stronghold. And a lot of folks like myself, a lot of colleges began to spring up like Tennessee Temple College, uh, Hiles Anderson College in the 60s and into the 70s. That would train people to say, hey, we're independent, fundamental Baptist. Baptist by doctrine. We believe in baptism by immersion after salvation. We're independent, which simply means we're not tied to a denomination or giving money where the denomination uh, is going to take control over it and take our money and, and pay a missionary that doesn't even believe the Bible. And that's very prevalent even today in the Southern Baptist Convention. I wouldn't have anything to do with it. If the Bible's the word of God, for example, why would you support a missionary that doesn't believe it? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, but that's, that's exactly what's happening. So that's, that's, that's why we are what we are. And so I was listening to a preacher the other day. I really admire him. And uh, he said he pulled out from the independent Baptist. Well, how can you pull out from independent Baptist? <laughs> right. If he's a Baptist, then, then he's independent. We're, is, all, we're all independent. That so is I, one. I get ahead. that. Go ahead. No, well, you, I was going to say that is one um, confusing aspect of this because people who criticize independent fundamental Baptists um, like to lump us all lump together. Us in, um, and it's, it's a self-defeating statement because they're independent. Um, so, but they like to say IFB, all these IFBers, and so it kind of gets rid of that independent, you know, so to speak, and you don't really hear the try to make it into like a denomination. Yeah, exactly. So they say the IFBers, uh, and that's uh, it's a self-defeating statement because independent just means we're not attached. Now, I certainly would not defend many independent fundamental Baptist churches uh, because that's just it; they're independent. What they do is their own business, and I, I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to support it. I don't have to buy into it. Um, and I don't, me and you don't ag- agree with a lot of people that are independent fundamental Baptists. Um, we wouldn't support them. We wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, 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 condone what they do. But right. uh, that being said, there is a large group of so, you know, so-called independent fundamental Baptists that kind of fit together. Birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. I mean, we've got things in common. That's for sure. There's going to be this perceived group, right? But uh, the, the idea is that they're independent. Okay. So there is a whole lot of varieties of because independent. it's independent it's independent i mean we don't buy, we don't uh, enter into like uh well like the southern baptist where you kind of all buy into this one thing and uh, everybody works in the you know works in the same direction gives their money to the same organization um it doesn't work that way and when people and so just be wary of that 
as we talk about this, we're not interested in defending the IFB movement. Absolutely. Who cares? We just, we just, we're independent because we're not associated with another church. Uh, we're Baptist in doctrine, and we're fundamental, the one fundamental, which you talked about a couple weeks ago, the fundamental of the Word of God. But and that's because, that's because blood atonement, where do you get it from? The Word of God. Amen. And then, then that's the final authority right there. Yep. If you go to history or you go to what Josephus said, then all you're doing is undermining the Word of God. The Word of God does not need Josephus. It does not need cultural you know, a, a history of cultural studies of the age or whatever. What a bunch of baloney. It's so funny. I, I heard a guy, in fact, one of my Bible teachers when I was in college, Hiles Anderson College, um, and he's gone the, uh, you know, the, the, the liberal left. He's left the, he's left the IFB. He's a recovering fundamentalist. So oh, to speak. brother. But anyway, he said, um, he said um, I've left the independent fundamental Baptist movement, but then he's followed it with this. But I am independent. Uh, in, in, in how our church is operated, our church is independent. He said, I'm Baptist in doctrine, and I'm fundamental in my Bible, you know, in my Bible beliefs. So, you know, <laughs> he just <laughs> defeated the entire statement. That's what we are. But somehow he's left it. Um, and so I guess, he, I guess what he is trying to say is he's left a certain group of what people might call, you know, independent fundamental Baptists or, you know, I don't know. I, it's so confusing when you try to make sense of it. But... Um, you know, that's basically what we are. What I feel like, in the end, the devil is using people like him to undermine the old paths, the old-time religion. So it's not attack on any movement. It's attack on what the movement stood for at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, right. when people would go say to Jack Hiles' uh, pastor school, for example, and uh, they liked what he said, and so they began to incorporate some of the things that, that he, he practiced regarding— you know, operating of a church and things like that. And, uh, and so he was, he was old-fashioned, and so people kind of, they went to pastor school. But even Brother Hyle said, we're not going to start any denomination. We're not going to start any kind of a movement. He said, this is like a smorgasbord, a la carte. You just come, and we're just going to dish it out. You take what you want and mm-hmm. leave what you don't want, right. you know. Um, and he did have people from different, different did, denominations absolutely. coming. He absolutely did. I remember yep. the Wesleyan Church back in when I was a kid. They sent somebody to Hiles in, uh, to uh, the pastor school for their bus ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a Wesleyan church. Yeah. So I don't but, know where these guys are coming from. They, they pro- obviously, they never understood what an independent Baptist church was, even when they thought they were one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, a lot of times people, they, they, they're, they're eager to find the problem. And if they can find a group of people to pin the blame on, they're, they're happy to do that. I see that a lot of times. But, um, you know, if it's... You know, if you know, if we can say, well, you know what it is, it's those independent fundamental Baptists that are destroying the nation or destroying Christianity. Um, right. It's it's not that. You know what it it's it's the sin nature inside of us that is the problem. And if you think you found the problem in a group of people, well, you're wrong. Uh, the 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 problem is pride and and sin and um, uh, that you're gonna find that no matter where you go. And so these people that have left, you know, I don't know the Pharisaical. Church of, of of Independent Baptist. Um, supposedly, they found a church that's not Pharisaical. Well, they're 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 lying themselves. Um, that's right. They, they found a church that's not judgmental. That's stupid. Uh, judgmental is a part of human beings. People are people, no matter where you yeah. go. Um, so people try to. They're eager to find. You know, oh, I finally come to the light, and I've left the toxic. You know, church that I was in. No, you didn't. You went from one toxic church to another. That's right. And by the way, a lot of this has to do with standards. It all comes down to the length of a man's hair 
his music. Women wearing pants. And women wearing pants. That's all it comes down to. <laughs> they make the issue of that. They make the issue of it. <laughs> I mean, what business is of theirs if, if you know, if, if we if we want to live or believe or teach that? That's right. And by the way, they have standards too. Yep. They have dress standards. They have hair standards. They have music standards as well. That's the problem. That's the problem um, because lo- their standards aren't as high as somebody else's. They're offended by that. Yes. Yep. That is so true. Um, and uh, they they call it well they call it legalism and Pharisaical. They 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 would they would label the Independent Baptists as the modern day Pharisees. Um, and you know I guess there's some some interesting comparisons there you know but uh, just just because we have standards that they claim are not rooted in Scripture, uh, they want to claim it's legalism. But you're going to find out a lot of those guys are going to go right back to cultural and historical times. So therefore, right there, they're going to use history as their final authority, which basically means you don't know history. You, you don't you don't know the way people acted and talked and the ethics and the etiquette of that day two thousand years ago. So it's basically, it's basically you're undermining the word of God because you don't like what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then and then they have their standards too. They have the exact same. And they, it, it, but the problem is, like you just said, um, you you have to draw the line where they want you to draw it, or else you're a legalist. But somebody could come be, come behind these, you know, you know the the Southern Baptists of today and say, well, you're legalist because you draw the line here. Everyone's got a line. Everybody's got a line. Southern Baptists are considered very legalistic and radical right by the radical left. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what. So the it's, le- it's all relative. Yes, and to to build your well, just to build your straw man on that, it's just what it is. As if you were man. emotionally damaged for life because you, when you were a kid, your parents made you wear pants. Uh, made you you couldn't wear pants. You had to wear a skirt. <laughs> Now you're emotionally, and now you're recovering fundamentals. It's going to take years of biblical counseling to bring you back to the place where you should be. What a stinking joke. <laughs> yes, For thousands joke. of years, girls didn't wear pants, and, and they, they were back, they're better off then than they are now, yes, for sure. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Well, let me, let me, let's read some of this. Yes. That's, that's what we were going to do. Um, so first of all, it's, it, the, the name of the article is 10 Fun and Dangerous Thoughts in the Old Paths. And my immediate reaction was this guy's being um, pretty... Um, you know he's he's proven a point by um, by extremism, um, and so. But the first thing he says is, I hear much talk of getting back to the old paths, as if when God used this expression with Jeremiah. Okay, so there's a verse in in Jeremiah uh, sixteen, uh, Jeremiah six sixteen, when he when the Bible uses the word the old paths, and uh, he says, as if when God used this expression, um, he was talking about. Uh, he was referring Jeremiah to the American 1950s, which some would make you think is the golden age of the old paths. So let's just start right there. What is the old time religion? I think the what I say to our church people um, when I'm preaching along this line, it's basically the Bible is the final authority, bottom line. Okay, uh, <clears throat> and so what does the Bible have to say? The only problem is most people that that buy into this junk would say, well, I believe that. Of course, we, we spent a, a, a long, a whole episode on this, but they don't believe it. Um, if you're going to start messing with the Bible and, and buying into modern versions, if you preach from the NIV, you don't believe the book you're preaching from. That's all there is to it. But uh, you know, most people would say, well, yeah, I believe the Bible. In fact, most church statements, you look at their statement of faith, it says, we believe in biblical authority. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. But but what they mean is we believe that the Bible is inspired and infallible in the originals. 
But now, but we don't have the originals, so now everything is you're free to do whatever you want to do without any scriptures to guide you. Okay, now it comes basically down to I think pastors not leading but following. That's what it comes down to. Now, what I mean by that is people are lukewarm and they have itching ears and they will not endure sound doctrine. So now we have people, and they, and they want to go to heaven. They, they, they want their sins forgiven. They want the best of both worlds. They want to live a worldly life and then go to heaven when they die. And, um, and so there are preachers, there's churches everywhere that will accommodate that. Mm. Now, the question, I think, comes down to um, where the Bible says, you know, if, if, you don't, if you're not willing to give it all for, for me, you cannot be my disciple. So I guess, there's a, I guess there is a distinction between deliverance from sin and discipleship. You know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But Jesus quite often said, you want to follow me, count the cost. Okay, so there is a cost to following Christ. Now we have made it cost less. So the Bible says, for example, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So um, we're going to have to preach on getting the iniquity of the heart out. Okay, the Bible talks about sodomy as like the, the sin that breaks the camel's back in the area of, uh, you know, judgment of a nation mm-hmm. in Romans chapter number one. Right. So we need pre- preachers that are going to preach against sodomy. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go ahead and talk about now we talked about music last week, so we won't address that. But let's talk about dress standards. Because it seems as if that's now become the crutch. Mm-hmm. Women can come in with you know pants so tight they look like they've been spray painted on. Right. And uh, you're seeing the cleavage. Now you're seeing shorts. Um, it was, um, who's that, that preacher? J. Vernon McGee. I heard him say, he said, what is so sad today, uh, and, and by the way, I heard this in the 80s, and he could have already been dead then. He died in the 80s. But um, he was preaching through the Bible, and I think he did that in the 70s, maybe late 60s. And they, you know, th- they continue to do that, you know. Um, but he said this, and it could have been he was in the 60s, maybe 70s, when he originally said, people in the bar rooms, when I was young going to the bars, I believe that's how he said it, um, the women dress more modestly in the bars than women in the churches of today dress. Mm. Okay? And so... Um, Let's go ahead and talk about the dress standard before we get into some of these issues. And, um, and so because of sin, God said, I want you to, I, you know, here you dress with the way you think. You sewed fig leaves together, but it's not really covering the shame. So, so, so the clothing was originally to cover the shame yes. because they were naked and ashamed and they ran. And obviously they were ashamed of each other at that time as well because they sewed fig leaves together. But then they ran from God and they said, and here it is, they've already sewed the fig leaves. And here it is, they, um, they, they run from God and they say, well, we were naked. Well, well they had fig, fig leaves on, but they were naked before God. So you see, you see a physical nakedness between each other and then you see a spiritual nakedness right there. Now, it's both of them, okay? And so God says, no, 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 now that you've sinned, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to clothe you. So the law first mentioned. So we ought, to, we ought to dress the way God wants us to dress. We ought to follow those guidelines. Now, number one, uh, God said, I'm going to make coats of skin. Coats of skin, that's what he said. He said, I'm going to make you coats of skin, drive you from Eden, and now I'm going to drive you from Eden, 
And in the sweat of your brow, which means summertime, hot, summertime, they're wearing coats, you know, of skin. So it's not about comfort. It's about godliness, what God wants. Well, I'm going to dress comfortably. Wasn't that what God would want? Well, God wants you to be holy, not happy. Amen. So, so I think it begins right there. So God does make an issue of dress standards right at the very beginning, on the very first day when Adam and Eve sinned. So there is, there is a, a doctrinal precedent for it beginning right there mm-hmm. in Genesis. Yep. Now, yep. now when, 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 if, if we were to continue on, God says in Isaiah, he says, because of the way the women dress. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 6 or 8, I think it is. Um, you know, they, they wear the round tires and all these things that God was talking about. He says, I'm sick of it. And, and he says in, what is it, 7i, the strange apparel that you wear. I had a preacher tell me one time, he says, we're not going to make an issue of it. Next thing you know, I said, you will be making an issue of it one day because now you've got women singing in, uh, singing in your choir and singing specials with tight pants on. Mm-hmm. And then they're wearing dress. Uh, it goes from the dress to the skirts to the shorter skirts to the shorter skirts. And now it's halfway up the thighs. And so really now it's becoming a burlesque show. And since you're using all the modern worldly means, now she is shaking and gyrating from, you know, from the, the platform. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think that's wrong. Yeah. You said that guy said, I'm not going to make an issue of it. I had a very similar thing happen to me with one of my friends. He said, well, look, you know what? I'm, I'm, I just can't get behind preaching, you know, these dress standards. I just can't do it. He said, I don't see it in the Bible, um, and I'm not going to preach it. So let's stop then, right there. So, so that's right. He's not going to preach dress standards at all because he has standards. And for him to preach any dress standards would also make him a legalist. You that judge another, you do the very same thing. It's just a different line in the sand somewhere. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So he said, well, but I'm going to continue to live the same way. I'm going to continue to, you know, me and my family are going to do it, but I'm not going to make an issue of it. And the problem is you are, you know, you are making an issue of it. Uh, if you are going to live a certain way, people are going to want to know why. And if you're just going to say, well, I don't know why, because, because I think you have no you know, business what are you being say? in the platform. And the uh, it wasn't long before, uh, you know, he, they just... Just abandon all, you know, of, of what he you know, what he said he was gonna uh, hold to. Now, this this uh, falling apart over standards or peripheral issues. Uh, you said it yesterday. What you're doing is you're coming in and you're looking at all the leaves on the trees and you're not perceiving the root, the root of of our our stance or our standards or where we're gonna draw the line. Just comes down to the one fundamental, and the difference is we take it very seriously. It's so funny that these people that uh, that have come, you know, uh, I guess seen the light or whatever, um, they sadly they can't be patient with those who, in their estimation, have not seen the light. Oh, you are so you right. Know? And it's so it's so funny to say, well, they'll co- they'll condemn or or bash somebody who still believes in you know ladies wearing skirts and dresses, you know, because they've come out of that. Oh, I've come out of that legalism. And, uh, boy, they, are, they have no use for it. They have no patience for it. How can you be so legalistic? And then say, well, can't you, just, can't you just be patient with me for believing what you believe for 90% of your life? You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, but, uh, well, you don't have to make apologies for it. And let me it. just say a few other things, too. One of the reasons why preachers, that they're weak, is because they know, they, can't get their, they know that they can't get their wives to wear uh, skirts and dresses. Their wives ain't going to do it. And so if they're going to stay in the ministry... They're going to have to just lower their standard. Mm. Or when their daughters turn 14 or 15 years of age. Mm. Heck with it. I, I'll get out of ministry first. <laughs> you know, forget that. <clears throat> you know, and if you can't, if you can't keep, a, uh, you know, pants off of your girls when they're 15 and 16, 
then you are not qualified to be in the ministry. Mm. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to change everything. You won't admit it, but I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. And then, and then what it is, a lot of these men, they're weak men, and they preach what their wives approve of. Mm. Or otherwise, boy, they'll be sleeping on the couch that night, you know? Mm. And I know it's a joke sometimes when my wife writes, writes my sermons and everything. I'm going to tell you right now, my wife doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what it is. If my wife is doing it or my mother is doing it, my own daughter, I'm preaching the truth. I don't care. And, um, in fact, I'll just say this. Uh, there was a day when I thought maybe that um, uh, I, I might not be able to uh, do exactly what I'm talking about right now. And, uh, well, am I going to trim my message? Am I going to compromise? No way. No way. I, I, I don't know how a man could shave himself in the mirror and, and be unfaithful to the word of God and unfaithful to his own conscience. He's not a leader. He's a follower. Mm. He's following his wife and he's following his teenage daughters. Mm. And by the way, all these woke preachers and everything, you're going to answer to God. You're going to answer to God. Um, the direction that you're taking that church, it's as worldly as a day is long. You can't tell the difference between the movie house and the church house anymore. You're going to answer to God for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, you know, the church nowadays, you said this the other day, is run by women. It know? is. And it may, be, may have a man as a figurehead up there, but... Uh, but she wears the pants, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. But uh, getting back to what the old-time religion looks like, um, you know, that, that's kind of where we, where, we, um, where we started on this rabbit trail. But, uh, you know, you said the old-time religion started... I shouldn't say the old time religion started, but you said, well, this independent fundamental kind of movement, so to speak, started with J. Frank Norris. I've heard some people say it started with Jack Hiles, uh, where people started breaking away from these liberal denominations, and they started wearing the name of independent. Look, our our money's not going to these... these Cooperative programs. Yeah, these corrupt ideas and and cooperative programs and things like that. Um, uh, But, you know, what about someone who would come back and say, well, you know... And I heard I've heard this many times. You know, back in the back in the in, in the first century church, there was no you know women wearing skirts and dresses the way we think of it today. There was no men wearing a certain tie to church. You know, um, and kind of deconstructing the whole idea, saying, "Well, if you really want to be old, in fact, that's the premise of this article. If you really want to be old time religion, then have the you guys go ahead and wear robes." You know, or wear you know biblical clothing. Stop using your stop using all modern conveniences. If you really want to be old fashioned, if you really want to be go back to the old old time religion, old paths, so to speak. Well, then what are you doing using a computer or a laptop or using a, a hymn book? Because that was thought of to be liberal when they first came out. And you know, uh, all these straw men, I guess you would call them. What's your answer to all those? Well, first of all, what are you talking about again? The culture. I would say, how do you know that they didn't dress up on Sunday? How how do you know that? You know, um, and uh, they, they they'll throw stuff out that like that out there like that, and just you know we just buy it because we don't know either, but we know as much as they know. And uh, whoever whoever wins the wars writes the history, you know. And so you don't ha- you don't have any idea of what was going on back then. You you just got no co- grasp or concept. But I have heard that stuff and kind of been intimidated and backed off a little bit. Well, they, well they didn't. They didn't, you know, women didn't dress like they dress now, you know, back back in the old days. But how do you know that they didn't dress different from men? But I, like I said, I've heard these arguments before, and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, how do we know? Why, you know, what about, you know, the hymn book? You know, supposedly, you know, it used to be the Bay Psalm book. And then when people started writing hymns and singing hymns, that that was newfangled music back in the, I don't know, 1700s, 1800s. Um, 
What about that? You know, that's, that was contemporary Christian music of the day, and now we all have hymn books. That guy wrote, he said, well, Martin Luther, you know, the, the reformer, when he wrote A Mighty Fortress is Our God, because I read the same article that you read, he said he was criticized because he used modern-day worldly lyrics and, excuse me, worldly music um, and put it to godly lyrics. Here's my question to him, okay? So, again, how do you know, sir? How do you know that... that um, we got it from the world. How do you know that the world didn't get it from us? That's true. How do you know that? That's true. It's basically just, and that's, that's one of my pet peeves is everyone, like, it's a very condescending remark where they say, do some research, as if I can't find facts that refute your facts. Right. Because it, it doesn't matter. You know, there's, nobody knows what was say going on. Say that again. There. Say that again. It's a very condescending it's remark. Condescending remark when someone says, well, do some research. Do your research before you start So talking. they went and Googled something. And because it's so easy to find worldliness and truth is, is censored, you yes, know. Yes, Even research comes down to your presupposition and your, and your, and your, uh, your basis for where you think truth comes from. Because some very well-educated, well-researched guy may think that, you know, we came from monkeys a million years ago. That's like somebody who's done their research. Yeah, do your research. Well, I could say the same. Do your research and read the Bible, you know. But the, do your research is a condescending, meaningless remark. And some people have said that to you. Where they've done a fraction of the of the uh, of the research, like it, but, it's like when we talked on the Christmas thing. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe that Christ was born on December 25th. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> um, but um, they say, do some research. Do some research. Well, here's what I would say: How do you know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, and the world picked up worldly holidays? Yep. yep. You, you know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. Um, and you, you don't know. But you know what? It's funny. And speaking of that one, I had someone say the same thing. They said, "We'll do some research," and then they 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 mentioned one of the, one of the very, you know, surface level arguments, and they had no idea that you have done literally so many levels deeper of research than one of those surf like I don't know shepherds wouldn't be in the field in the winter or whatever, but that do your research. Never be intimidated by that. Never back down when someone tells you to do your research because all that means is um, go ahead and be propagandized by what by my. You know, by the propaganda that I bought into. That's right. Um, that's all that means. Um, but well, look, look at look at what was his first argument about the cell phone thing. I mean, so so this is how. Okay, let me read it just just to give you, uh, you know, get us caught up. So uh, I hear much talk about getting back to the old paths, as if when God used the expression with Jeremiah, he was referring to Jeremiah to the American 1950s, which which some would make you think is the golden age of old paths. Sometimes it seems that some preachers make the old paths refer to whatever they want it to mean, like the 1950s or the 1880s or the 1600s. I'd like to challenge the diehard old path reps. If you really mean believe, uh, if you really uh, believe in getting back to the old paths, I dare you to consistently ride this train of logic all the way to its destination. Go all the way back to the old paths by doing the following ten things in truth and in good fun, and don't miss the truth for the irony and sarcasm. So then his first one is trash your cell phone. Charles Spurgeon didn't use one. George Whitfield certainly didn't need it, and neither should we. Plus, cell phones are also used for sundry, sinful, and illegal activities all the time in our corrupt world. Okay, let's stop right there. So D.L. Moody, when he preached, because they had no, he used a beer hall before he actually built his church in Chicago. And uh, he would clear it out, and uh, he'd have the kids meet, and, and they serve beer on Saturday night. He'd clean it out. So um, it doesn't mean we cannot use worldly things for spiritual means, you know? Um, with, Spurgeon with, his, with Spurgeon with his tabernacle, uh -huh. okay? So he, he met for a while when he was building Spurgeon's tabernacle in Exeter Hall, okay? That was used for plays and things like that. That was Spurgeon would preach against. Mm -hmm. 
So that that is such a strong man right it, there. It, yeah. yeah. And that cell phone. So this is what I would say. How do you know that Spurgeon wasn't using modern things at that time right. that could also be used for sinful things? Right. We just proved that. Right. See, it's the principles that these guys lack. Mm-hmm. They lack principle mm-hmm. here. Well, um, their principle is compromise. That is the principle. That but I would say this. I preach much against cell phones. Mm-hmm. If, if you can't control the thing, you ought to get rid of it. Yes. Yeah. But, but <laughs> just because that the, the, it can be used for sin, anything can be used for sinful reasons. Right. He is in sarcasm and good fun trying to destroy um, uh, people's faith in the, basically the Word of God the and just taking the Bible literally. Yes. I, gu- I guarantee you one thing. You know, he'll take this tax, the tax code literally. I guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, when it comes to the building code in his church, I guarantee he'll take that literally. But for some crazy reason, he ain't taking the Bible literally, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And I would ask him, do you fear God? Do you really fear God? Mm-hmm. And I'd rather be safe than sorry. Yes. And that's what we all are. We are rather safe than sorry in everything except the main thing. Yep. If, you, if you think that the food is spoiled, and I don't mean poison, I mean just spoiled, you won't eat it, yep. and you won't allow your kids to eat it. Yep. If you think that the, that, that the gas has just a little bit of water in it or compromised, you dead sure ain't going to p- pump from that gas station. You know, you care more about your car and your car running well than you do the people that sit in your pews. Mm. And by the way, what is the matter with just preaching um, the, the old-time religion? By the way, if it, if it goes back to the 1600s, it goes back to the 1400s. If it goes back to the 1400s, it goes back to Christ. You know, mm-hmm. um, but there's so many other things. I mean, th- this guy, and that, that's how it always comes out, in good fun. You know, like Andy Stanley, you know, I've heard of the, the you know, this is what he says, the, the bash verses regarding so- sodomy, yeah. you know, and uh, he talks about, I know all the bash verses, blah, 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 but don't we need to love them? Well, Andy, if you love them, you tell them the truth rather than lie to them. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, but it, it was so funny seeing the way uh, we both came at this. And uh, honestly, I'm glad that uh, that I'm so glad because honestly, I, I used to come at this stuff and just be so, oh yeah, that's so true. I, um, I I'm so thankful that I ended up in this ministry and with somebody like you <laughs> because you just ain't got the time for it. But it's it's the discernment and the prudence, like you read at the very beginning. It's I like, got I got to close with this. So I was a senior at Hiles Anderson College, and back in those days, they would have a senior meeting. I met with Pete Cowling, and I had my guns loaded because I had decided I'm getting out of this fundamentalism stuff, you know. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of I used to like Saturdays, you know, but now, mm-hmm. you know, get soul winning all day Saturday. My heart wasn't in, in the ministry at that, at that time, you know. And so I decided, I told my friends, I said, man, I'm, when I get out of here, I'm not going to, I'm going to. In fact, I asked my dad, my father, to give me a, an uh, ASV. I still have it. And ASV, I thought, I thought you only believed in the King James. I said, well, I used to. I've done change. I was woke before there was a woke crowd. <laughs> and, uh, and then I believed in all this modern stuff. I, I, I was woke before some of the, some of the brethren that, that I even went to college. I was woke back in those days. Mm. And uh, so I became pastor here, and I basically let the music go. I didn't, I, I didn't preach on it. And then the, the church even got too nauseating for me. Mm. You know, people smoking on the front porch, ladies gyrating from the platform. Um, I mean, singing specials and ju- just drama and all this stuff. I mean, it was nothing but drama. I mean, for me and my liberal mind back when I was 30 years old and I first started pastoring here, I was, um, I was, man, it was too much for me to stomach. Not very many people know this, but when I first became pastor here, I let my Yoli wear pants. I said, we're getting rid of all this stuff, you know? And, um, 
And she didn't feel right about it. Yoli's my, my wife. She's Spanish. That's a Spanish name. And then I remember thinking this. I remember thinking, you know what? If you're going to have a true church, you're going to have to deal with these issues. Mm-hmm. If you don't deal with the issues, then the issues are going to slide until the point you will deal with them. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you might as well just have high standards in the church. Mm-hmm. You, might, you might as well. And so from that point, I became, you know, I, I guess what you would say, a, a legalist by the world's, you know, by the woke crowd. I, I, remember, I remember telling Yoli this, you know, Brother Howells was right. As much as I hated it, I was on campaigns to get people not to go to Howells Anderson College. I was on a campaign, you know, with my peon brain of about 21 years of age. Well, you know, my, your brain's not even developed completely until about 22. And here I am, not even complete, you know, <laughs> person yet. And here I know more. Brother Howells has been pastoring for 50, 60 years thinking, well, he must never thought of this or thought of that before. Uh-huh, yeah. Unbelievable. How, how, how foolish I could be. Now, if I would have continued down that road, I would have justified it mm-hmm. because the church started changing and we were growing. In fact, um, I remember when, I guess it was um, 93, I'd been here about a year, and we went from like 60, and I remember give, being given a three-by-five card by Ron Harrison. We had 106 or 103 people. That was like two years, and that was without a bus. So we almost doubled, you know, yeah. on, on that one on that one Sunday. But I remember thinking, forget this mess. Mm. If it means having a crowd to compromise, we'll forget it then. And you dealt with it. and it, I did. It, it split the church right I now, preached right? a sermon, the attire of a harlot, quote, unquote. And that's, that's, that's right from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I started off, I said, I don't know what it is. But I said, we're going to be above board here. And that was the first church split right there. They split it right down the road. Right. No, one third. We lost one oh, third. Oh, wow. Yep, mm. one third. And by the way, they're all leaders. Song leader. Choir members, two Sunday school teachers, um, heck with it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> forget it, you know. But well, God, you know what? I would have been right down there too, had not I ended up here with somebody, somebody like you. But there is this tendency for the young, you know, when you're young, to kind of buy into all this wokeism, um, and that's really when you need to. I mean, you need to get under the influence of a of a you know leather lung preacher like you, um, who's just not without apology going to preach what the Bible says, and uh, really. You know, really just just get this stuff nailed down. But anyway, thanks again for listening today. We'll be back again with you next week. Reach out to us if you want to at thecanceledpreacher at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, thecanceledpr1, or on Facebook as well. And uh, join in again next week. Good day.